Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter, at MMALOTN, and we are back in the studio. My man is big. My man, Big Rob, is here with me. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Yay, yay! Uh, before I kick the episode off, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Connor Rideout, who helped, uh, who was on the last Combative Stories episode. He hooked me up with this sweet hoodie. Uh, he's a vegan, so his nickname is The Soy Boy. Okay. And if you notice the logo, it's an artichoke choking, and a, uh, choking a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, he's like, yo, I had a couple of these later on. I'm like, all right, cool. I like it. I'll rock it. I'll, I'll rep your shit. Uh, the episode with him is either dropping today or tomorrow, whichever day. Cool. If this is out, that's going to be out, too. i got to go home and fucking edit that as soon as I get home. Cool. Uh, but yeah, we're here for UFC 248. Huge pay-per-view. We got Israel Adesanya headlining against... Um, who the fuck is he fighting again? Yoel Romero? God damn. Wake up. Uh, and then in the comment event, we got Yoani and Jacek going up against Wiley Zhang. That should be a great fight as well. But we got Rob here. So that means we got to do the casuals. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, the, the the last event that we just had, UFC, whatever the fuck it was, UFC Norfolk. Okay. Uh, we had these two... Very fun strikers. Like these guys are like the the second heaviest weight class. They throw with a lot of power, and everybody was really anticipating this fight. Yeah, these guys look way bigger than yeah. normal. Yeah, probably like two ten, two twenty right now. Okay, but uh, yeah, like it's not that long of a fight. Mm. But I want to get your opinion on this. So this is the Ian Kutilab and Magomed Ankalaev fight. You guys already know what the fuck happened. Uh, but I want to get Rob's reaction. So just watch a little closely now because it's going to start to pick up. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing some kicks. We see Kutilaba pushing the pressure a bit. Ankalaev on the back foot. But he hits him with oh, a head kick. Really? Hits him again. He looks oh. a little wobbly. Looks a little wobbly. Oh. Throws a nice one there. And then they stop the fight. So I wanted the casual's perspective on... Whether that fight should have been stopped with to begin with. Uh, well, either either should have got stopped right away, or like he was not not like he was. Let's get the he, replay going. Yeah, let's see that again. But it it seemed like he it seemed like he was fine. Right. So watch these. Okay. Just pay attention to the guy getting hit. You see that, like the little yeah. stutter. Yeah. Yeah. He's still like moving his head around. Yeah, like he he's blocked it. Yeah, he blocked, blocked it that. again. Blocked. Yeah. Blocked. Okay. Throws a shot as well. Blocked yeah. again. Yeah. Right hand or left hand kind of hits. Yeah. One, two hits there. Yeah. See, he was even throwing a punch at I the same time as well, right? Yeah. So this is this is real time. Watch this. Pay attention to how he looks. I don't know if it's his style or whatever, but when you watch it in slow mo, he, he's totally like a punch is coming, he blocks it. Then he yeah. tries to attack. You know, punch comes, he blocks it. it but when you watch him and it, when it's fast, he looks like he's drunk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't right? know how it's possible. So, but <laughs> so he said he was playing possum. Well, there you go. Yeah, because he looked. He he he. he like he 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 tricked even the referee. Right. He tricked even the referee. Th th there right? you go. Um, like a lot of people are saying that it was really shitty because he was throwing a punch, like a heavy punch, as the referee stopped it. If you notice, he throws this huge overhand right as the referee's walking in, right? Yeah, yeah. 
That's what makes it even worse. But and he looks completely in right now as he's complaining. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's he looks so, alert. Like he's not like falling. You're down. playing with fire there, though. When you when you pull those types of antics, yeah, where you're faking being hurt. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know what the rules are on that because there I, are no rules on that. They should be because you know what? That's you're playing with your life. True. You know what I mean? But you are like he kind of a little bit has himself to blame, but totally. It, 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 it didn't it, look that sellable to me, but maybe in the moment, and as you're the referee, you're looking out for this guy's safety. Yeah. You don't have the best course. angles on seeing whether he blocked those kicks or not either. It's all That's another thing. within seconds. Yeah. Right? It's not like when we watch in slow-mo, it's like over such a long period yeah. of time. But like you see his eyes call. are kind of still yeah. there, but he looks drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I, I, I was feeling it. We only got 38 seconds of the fight. Everybody was expecting it, like, like a round and a half of just war of these guys going yeah. at it. So it was kind of like a, they were just building to a crescendo, and it just got stopped, like, midway. <laughs> ah, shit, man. I know. It was, uh, you know, I, I actually had money on that guy, so I'm glad mm. I won. <laughs> can't, can't be too mad about that. True, true. Um, what the fuck is up, dude? Dude. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh, thanks for showing me that one. Um, summer's coming up. Yeah. You've already, you've already invited me to something. Okay, so I've never gone to this place before. Yeah. Uh, it's called Hillside Festival, but I've always wanted to go, and I've went on YouTube and checked it all out, and I've been there at the actual facility, which is the Guelph Lake that we've camped at before. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, I got a campsite. Did uh, you get the same one? Uh, 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 Guelph Lake. Sorry, that's a no. I went uh, to that uh, one. Yeah, yeah. It was at Guelph Lake, but yeah. not the same site. I no, couldn't, I couldn't get that one. Mm -hmm. But I got the one that I used to go to year after year after year until I found that one. Okay, which is also a water. It's site. a classic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It is a classic because cool. it has something different that the other one doesn't have. Which is this wicked fucking tree right in the middle that the water is all completely around it. Oh. Yeah, it's like this, like this cove kind of thing. If you have a boat and you're just floating around it, it's pretty awesome. Okay. Yeah. So we'll. It's it's early March. Like it's, it's literally March fourth. You gotta plan. It <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know. Big Rob already knows. Like you gotta fucking you January, got, February. That's when like everybody it. starts booking the campsites. You I don't know if it. it's the same for you guys, but that's how it is up here in Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to that. You told me it's like end of July or something. So maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll be we'll able see. to swing by for that shit. That'd be awesome. Um, thank you once thank again. You, you're you're the fucking man for doing this. All right, uh, let's get into the fucking episode. UFC 248 coming up this weekend, but we'll quickly go over UFC uh, Norfolk, which was the last event. We'll quickly run through that. Uh, my performance on that wasn't too bad. It was actually a winning and profitable event. Hopefully, we can bring that juju into actual positive juju and keep uh, keep keep the ball rolling. But I'll go over it quickly for you guys. Locker than I play, Magomed on Kalev, like I talked about, uh, minus 205. That was kind of a, a gift. You know, it obviously didn't play out like anybody wanted it to or anybody would have thought of. Uh, but still happy to get the W. A W is a W. Even if it happened the other way, I'm sure Kutalaba be uh, betters would say the same fucking thing. But... Uh, Plus 2.44 units on that. Uh, minus 0.5 units on a small stab on Derek Minner. I believe, you know, with everything that was leading up into that, that fight week, Dawson missing weight. Uh, Minner having 21 of 24 wins by submission. And Dawson have to going that route, have to, having to have to go that route to get the victory. Uh, I was willing to take the shot at plus 389, so I have no regrets, no regrets on that bet. Let's get into the fucking groove here. Come on, Locke. Let's get our shit together. All right. Um, 
also one unit uh, at plus 140 on the main event Benavides and Davis Invigorator to go under four and a half rounds. My heart wanted it to be Joseph Benavides, but it ended up being Davison. But regardless, bittersweet, we cash it. Uh, plus 1.4 units on there. And then minus 0.25 units on the Hail Mary Patreon parlay. I'll always fucking do that. I, I don't give a shit about, you know, throwing a 0.25er out there every event. It's worth it. You know what I mean? In my opinion, at least. I haven't hit one yet. I've gotten damn close, but I will. And I'm willing to put 0.25 units on it uh, pretty much at every, every event. So we end the event. Uh, UFC Norfolk plus 3.09 units, 46% uh, ROI. Happy with that. Um, and that rolls us right into UFC 248, which I'm fucking really excited for because I feel like I have a lot of decent reads on these fights. Um, and and I might have a little bit more bets than I normally do, uh, but... Um, I feel like there are some opportunities here that I need to capitalize on. A couple, uh, a little bit more than I, uh, like earlier today, I had a lot more in mind in terms of which ones I would bet. But as a tape study, you know, start to conclude, uh, I had to back off a couple of the, the underdogs. But I will still maybe pick them as my uh, as who I'm predicting to win. And, you know, you guys can take whatever information you want from that and, and possibly put it into, you know, your own thoughts and your own perspective if you find yourself really wanting to make that play. But uh, I'll help you guys out as best as I can. But overall, as a card, I, man, I listen to Shab's, uh Below the Belt every, like, pretty much every week just because, you know, the guys are doof. He's, he's a dumbass every now and then. But he's entertaining. He's cool. Uh, he's I seem It seems like he's a decent guy. But um, some of the shit that he says to, to really deter the... I, I know it's his opinion and he gets to say whatever the fuck he wants. That's totally fine. But get to know some of these guys on the card, man. These This card has some very very fun fights there's a lot of fights on here that should be fight of the night contenders and i will mention it before going into each one because i think it's deserving uh of that uh nomination at least but man a lot of these car uh, like alex Oliveira versus max griffin again it's not the mainstream uh people that are gonna know who these people are maybe they know cowboy Oliveira, but um yeah, th that fight's going to be fucking bonkers. That's going to be a great fight. Uh, Neil Magny against Li Jingliang is going to be a great fight as well. But Neil Darius against Jakarta Close. He shouted out Darius, so that's cool. I don't know why I'm ranting about Shaw, but whatever. Um, I, I think the card's great overall. Th th there's a lot of fun things to see. Uh, we get to see v Vieira maybe slightly kind of tested um, by Safarov. That's something. Uh, Marco Madsen seeing how he does against somebody who has decent wrestling credentials and, and might make this fight a little bit more difficult than the odds are assuming. Um, Whitmire versus Vienna should be some women's MMA violence that we get to witness. I'm totally down for that. Drawn win against Gerald Mirshar should be a fucking banger too. God damn, there's so much on this card to love and I'm super excited for it and I can't wait to watch it this fucking weekend. But First and foremost, I'm going to start to break it down for you guys so we can uh, get that shit out of the way and then we can uh, focus on actual fight day and, and just enjoy the fights. Hopefully win some money as well. So let's start off with uh, the right at the bottom of the card. We got Guido Canetti versus Dana Batgarel. Uh, according to the Anakin Florian podcast. Uh, we'll start off with Bakarel real quick. He's coming off a loss to Haile Alatang, which wasn't a totally bad fight for him. You know, he, he was definitely outgrappled in that fight in terms of, you know, credentials wise and 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 just history wise highly all the time was a much better grappler than him in that fight but i didn't mind or, or i was slightly impressed with what i did see on the feet for dana baccarol very good leg kicks he mixes up his combinations pretty well too uh i'm not I, I think he has decent power i think he's a, if he's able to land cleanly on guido he would be able to have some success i think he has a technical ability and the the 
you know, again, mixing up his strengths, the variety of that, uh, that could play in favor for him here against Guido, who's, in my opinion, more so of a, a winging puncher. I don't think he has the best, like, technical striking. Uh, doesn't throw the most straight one-twos, I'd say. More of like a, you know, a blitzer trying to get in, uh, hit you and get out. Um, what was his last fight? Ah, uh, fuck. The, the Marlon Vera fight. You know, I had decent success in that first round. Um, Vera's not the best on the feet either. Uh, you know, eventually got tapped out by him. The Diego Rivas fight, you know, good win for him. I don't think Rivas is totally UFC level. Kyung Ho Kong got absolutely outgrappled there too. I think, I'm not saying he's not the worst grappler either. I think he could give Dana Bakarao some issues there and, and take him down and possibly win the fight that way too. But... I kind of see this fight playing it more so out on the feet. Um, I think that they're both going to be swinging, and I kind of like the 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 fight doesn't go to decision or the under. The unders still aren't out. Um, fight doesn't go to decision is minus one twenty, so that leads me to believe that uh, under two and a half would be about plus plus one hundred to plus one ten, uh, and I would be totally happy with taking a shot on that just because of their styles. I think that. Uh, they're definitely going to be swinging. I think that Dinah Bacquerel is actually going to be the more technical one. I see why he's favored. It's, you know, pretty evident in terms of the, the technical striking. Ooh, excuse me. Um, yeah, I think that uh, Dinah is going to have the advantage on the striking there, so he's going to be able to clip Kennedy uh, and put him down and put him out. But it should be a fun fight. Uh, I don't see the reason as to betting aside, and if you are trying to for some reason uh pick a side here odds wise you'd have to go with the dog with Kennedy, but i do believe that batgirl is the better one um but yeah just not enough for me to bet on it i'd rather bet the under two and a half which is probably what i'm going to do as long as i get that plus money on it so i'll go with uh Kennedy by tko let's say ground and pound he eventually just gets him down and, and tkos him that way uh but uh, again the under two and a half that's what I'm going with. All right, Jamal Emers versus Giga Chikadze. This fight has been highly, highly uh, debated on Twitter, uh, which is hilarious just due to the fact that, like, it's a relatively low-level fight on the card. It's it's fine. Like, I'm very impressed with Jamal Emers. I think he has a lot of positive things to bring to the UFC, which is, you know, this is going to be his first fight there. Uh, but it all comes down to kind of his game plan and what he's going to do. And you got to, you got to, got to, got to believe that knowing that you have such a wide wrestling and grappling advantage, that he's going to take advantage of that. Like you gotta, you gotta believe that. It's it will be nuts to me if it goes longer than a minute and a half to two minutes, where Jamal Emers doesn't attempt to take down or even try to feint to take down whatever it is. He needs, he needs, needs, needs to implement that. His striking on the feet is is decent. Um, I think he's going to be out, you know, outmatched in terms of Giga having the better striking. It's going to come down to how good. Emers' chin is. I do believe that we could see Chikadze maybe stuff the first takedown. Uh, but I think after that, it's going to be all Emers. He, he has really good takedowns. We've seen, you know, Giga get taken down by lesser competition and men that show lesser wrestling prowess than a Jamal Emers. Uh, but there's just a, a couple things that just have me uh, a little bit skeptical. Like, I, I feel like I'm still going to take a shot on him. I want to see where the odds get. You know, it seems like they are going a little bit more... Uh, in Emers' favor now, people are getting a little bit more privy to him and seeing that, uh, and believing that he is going to use his wrestling uh, advantage here. Uh, minus one seventy-two. I'm 
I'm not going to lie at all. <laughs> I, I, it has crossed my mind to actually like parlay him with somebody later in the card. Uh, it's a thought that's crossed my mind. It's it's something that I'm still considering. I want to see where the odds get at. I think that there will be some Giga Love comeback. Um, but again, it's t uh, it's Wednesday actually, so we got a couple days. So um, yeah, I I'm going to go with Jamal Emers. I think that he goes out goes out there and grinds Giga out. Uh, Giga actually is quite impressive in terms of his uh, like the abilities that he actually has off of his back, considering that he's mainly a kickboxer. Decent jujitsu. We've seen him throw up a couple uh, submissions. Oh, who the hell did he fight? What was that? Uh, the Brandon Davis fight. We saw him throw up a couple of submissions there. Um, the Austin Springer fight as well, too. I think he was a little bit more green there, uh, which is why he ended up coming on the losing side there. But, yeah, it's it's tough for me to see outside of a knockout uh, where Jamal Emers doesn't get this fight to the ground, grind him out, or even get a submission later in the fight. I love Emers here, man. I'm, I'm, I want to say that I'm playing him, but I'm not 100% like on it. Uh, but maybe in the next couple of days, it will sell me a little bit more. But I really like him in the spot. Like, I am. I will be that dummy at the end of the day that if this ends up losing, I'll be the one to admit. I believe that he would use his wrestling because any sane motherfucker with eyes, ears, and you know the ability to watch tape would know that that's where Jamal Emers wins this fight. Plain and simple. All right, Emily Whitmire versus Pollyanna Vienna. Don't really have a read for this fight in terms of who I believe is going to win. This is another like Bat Gorel and, and Guido Canetti fight. But I think the under is kind of where the money might be. So plus 155-ish. Uh, again, these are like sport bet and five dimes. Uh, fight won't go two and a half. Uh, fight won't go two minutes, 30 seconds into round three. Or fight goes two minutes, 30 seconds into round three. It's not actually under two and a half or under three and a half or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. They're eventually going to release it. But either way, plus 155 is what we're possibly getting for an under two and a half line here. And I like that. Both girls are, you know, they usually, tr they come forward. They try to get the, they, they actually do work for the finish. Emily Wetmore likes to show off her grappling. Poly Pollyanna Vienna has run on to some tough times. Three straight losses. I actually cashed AJ Aldrich as an underdog in that fight. But, um, you know, she's a really good jiu-jitsu artist. That's for sure. But, you know, I giving up a submission to veronica macedo is a little concerning and i believe that with both of their styles and their aggressiveness in terms of getting this fight to the ground which i think that emily whitmar might actually want to test out i i think she'll have a slight advantage on the feet but uh i think that she believes that she will be able to tap out pollyanna vienna so i wouldn't mind seeing this actually take place on the ground more often uh and one of them get caught in something i think that's a huge possibility and at plus 155 odds considering you know what their past fights have been like um and and their styles you gotta go with the under um i'm gonna i'm gonna lean with my hair which is kind of weird no you know what i'm going with pollyanna vienna i think she snaps her three fight uh losing streak she gets back on the winning track um again i think we see this fight play out on the ground i think both girls are going to want to try to prove a point there and i think that's where whitmire kind of feels most comfortable it, she i believe it would be in her advantage if she actually try to take this on to the like keep this on the feet but i think that neither of them are polished enough to be able to keep the other person from getting it to their realm whichever they believe is the jiu-jitsu uh department so um i'm going to take pollyanna vienna i think that even if it's whitmire that gets her down we still see pollyanna pull off a sweep get us some sort of submission let's say rear naked choke uh and i, I i'm gonna go with pollyanna pollyanna by submission let's say round two um 
And again, I will more than likely be at least placing one unit at plus 155 for that under two and a half. Another fight that I like money, or <laughs> plus money is what I'm trying to say. Uh, plus 125, Gerald Mearshart is damn intriguing against Deron Wynn here. So starting off with Gerald uh, Mearshart, he's coming off a loss to, or split decision loss to Eric Anders. Uh, before that, he beat Trevin Giles, uh, who I believe overall had a little bit more to offer. You know, obviously there is that crazy wrestling advantage that Deron Wynn is going to always have over his opponents. But again, I think that his like, his size is really a detriment to him here at 185. Ugh. My nose is so itchy. God damn, it's pissing me off. Either way, I don't do coke, guys. I swear to God. I swear to God. All right. <laughs> Get back to the fight. Um, yeah, Dron wins coming off that split decision to uh, Darren Stewart. And we kind of saw in that fight, like, if he's not uh, totally able to implement his wrestling, he's in for some trouble. And I think he's going to be even in a little bit more trouble against Gerald Mearshart here. I think Mearshart has a lot of submissions from different positions. And even if Deron Wynn starts sucking a little bit over the one and a half round mark, uh, he's going to be in some trouble. I think that Gerald will be able to clamp on to some sort of submission uh, if Deron starts to slip a little bit. I think outside of a, a Deron fir first round TKO slash knockout, um, this is Gerald's fight, and I like the plus 125 on him. Like, he's plus 128 on sport bet, but he might actually get a little bit higher based on what the trend is like. Um, but I might actually put the one unit on Gerald Mirshar here. I think he gets a submission. I'm going to say third round. Uh, he's massive, too. Like, I think he holds uh, close to a 7-inch reach advantage. 71 inches for Deron Wynn. Uh, 77 and a half for Gerald Mirshart. 6-1 compared to 5-6. A 5-6 middleweight. That's where we're at now. But it's this is kind of where it's going to end for him, unfortunately. I think that uh, Mirshart gets a victory. Again, third round submission. Uh, maybe some sort of darts or something. Yeah, I know he doesn't really have much of a neck, but he, he's going to get he's going to get a submission. That's that's without a doubt. All right, Rodolfo Vieira versus Saperbeg Safarov. Speaking of submissions, uh. High red alert. <laughs> Do not put Rodolfo Vieira in a parlay of any sort at minus 750. Now, I am absolutely picking him to win. I'm going to pick him to win by first round uh, submission. However, those odds are a little bit ridiculous. Like, it's almost like um, Felicia Spencer level. You know what I mean? She was like minus 265 to win inside the distance, which I think... Well, let's see if uh, Vieira... Is favored more to win inside the distance than fucking uh, Felicia was. Uh, Vieira wins inside the distance, minus 255, so roughly around the same amount. If you are going to Hail Mary parlay anything, I would do Rodolfo Vieira to win inside the distance. Saperbag Safarov, as, as bad as he has, you know, been known to be, and the fact that he tapped to a, a Kimura by Tyson Pedro and got GNP'd by Gian Volante, he has a decent, decent gas tank, and even a decent gas tank is better than whatever gas tank Rodolfo Vieira has. Or Vieira, I should say. Um, we, we saw Saperbeg's relentless takedown game against Nick Negamerani. I wanted to get this fucking name right because I listened to it on uh, the, when I was watching tape study. Um, Negamerianu. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Nick Negamerianu. 
Uh, yeah, and that fight, Separbag Savarov pretty much just took him down at will. Uh, I don't think he's going to want to do that here against Vieira. Maybe after a round and a half where he believes he's the fresher fighter uh, and he would be able to ride out Vieira on top and stay out of any submissions just due to the fact that Vieira is as gassed as he is. Um, but it's... I don't see it getting to that. I think that Vieira is just going to completely overpower him, get him to the ground, even pull guard if he has to, and then pull off a sweep. This is going to be a tough night for Safarov, but minus 750 is criminal against a guy who is only 6-0 and and who has shown a ton of cardio issues in the past. So I'm picking Vieira first round sub. Parlay that uh, inside the distance line if you guys can get that, but... Did, don't throw Rodolfo Vieira into a parlay straight because there is that slight chance where Safarov might be able to f- survive that first round and a half-ish and then just pretty much out-cardio Rodolfo to like a, a late finish or even a, a decision or something like that. But Rodolfo Vieira, first round submission is the pick. All right, Mark O. Madsen versus Austin Hubbard. Uh, this is another underdog that I actually really like. Plus 191 is what Austin Hubbard is now, and I'm kind of waiting for that plus 200 range. I might even get you know a little bit trigger happy and, and actually pull the trigger a little bit earlier. But I kind of like his chances here, c- considering what we've seen out of Marco Madsen. 9-0, and 0, uh, 35 years old, definitely up there in age. The one thing that throws me off is I feel like Austin Hubbard is going to be a little bit taller than what the details are saying for Marco Madsen. Uh, 5'10", 72-inch reach, 5'10", 72-inch reach for Austin Hubbard as well. I feel like we're going to see Hubbard be a little bit bigger, though. Um, Obviously, more jacked is going to be Marco Madsen, uh, and we've seen what his path to victory is pretty much every time out. Um, You know, take you down, try to ground and pound you, uh, you know, just out-muscle you, completely out-muscle you. He has like that... You guys hear me talk about every fucking episode, but like that, the wrestling striking style as well. Blitz forward, overhands, try to close the distance, get close enough to you so I can get my hands around you and then get you to the ground. I think he's going to have a little bit of an opposition here against Austin Hubbard, who has a decent wrestling background himself. Obviously not Olympic level like Marco Madsen. However, I think it's enough MMA-wise where he might be able to make it interesting. I think he's going to have the better striking too. Uh, uses his kicks a lot better. He's going to have to be sure to, again, bring his kicks back quickly so he doesn't get caught in any type of takedown from Madsen. Um, but I don't mind what I saw from him in terms of his striking. Um, it was what well, we saw a little bit in terms of when he fought Davy Hamosh. He survived that fight pretty well. Uh, but I think that Hubbard's going to have a little bit more success if it gets into the grappling uh, realm with Mark Madsen. And especially if the longer this fight goes, I think the more he is uh, favored to win it. Um, I like my chances at the plus 190. I like my chances at plus 200. Marco Madsen could absolutely be the shit. I think he has a ton of potential, but I think this is a dangerous fight for him. And if his gas tank fails him at all after the seven and a half minute mark, it's going to be a tough night for him because I think that Hubbard could pull off the upside here. So I'm going to go with Hubbard. Uh, I'm going to take him by decision, um, maybe even a late finish, uh, but I could absolutely be eating my words. However, value-wise, I definitely believe in it. it's on Hubbard at this point. So Hubbard, decision, and possibly going to be at least a 0.75 unit bet uh, on my end. All right. Next up, I have a special guest for you guys, and I am going to stitch that video in right here. All right, so that brings us to our prelim headliner, which is uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Jose Alberto Quinones. For this, I got a special guest, somebody I don't believe has done any podcast or anything like that, uh, and somebody that I want to give a little bit more shine to. We got my man, Josh P. You guys can find him at Josh P underscore UFC picks. Josh, what the fuck is going on, man? 
appreciate you having me on, brother. Happy to talk about this fight. I'm excited. Hell yeah, dude. You, you've been around the game for a little bit now, and and uh, I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on before I actually get into this Canones fight is the uh, one of your most recent tweets about people getting off on fighters hitting pads and the, the, the media day workouts and all that type of stuff. I'm kind of in the same boat with you, you know what I mean? Like, I think people read into that a little bit too much and, and get a hard-on for no reason. I remember Ronda Rousey was always the pad champion, and I could think about <laughs> No, I, I totally agree with you. It's, the, the interviews and stuff, you got to take a lot of those things with like a grain of salt too, right? Like people are always going to hype themselves up. Nobody's ever going to say, oh, my knee's hurt or, or fucking my, my hand is hurting or this wasn't the best training camp of my life. It's very rare that we actually see that. So you got to like as a capper, you got to be very mindful of, you know, not getting a honey dick by half these people. Absolutely. Don't, don't buy the wolf tickets. <laughs> exactly. Wolf tickets. All right. Uh, O'Malley and Kinona. So O'Malley has been off since uh, March of 2018. Uh, he's had a bunch of fights scheduled. He's actually, actually supposed to fight Kinona's back in October of 2018. Was supposed to also fight Marlon Vera. And now he's finally back. Had all this USADA bullshit going on. Uh, and Kinona's has been a little bit more active as of late as well. Um, minus three. What is it? Minus 350-ish for O'Malley right now. Roughly in that range. I think that's a little bit wide personally. Um, especially concerning his long layoff, but O'Malley strikes me as a kind of guy that actually, you know, he would take this layoff, especially concerning the circumstances surrounding the layoff, he would take that as more so of a motivation to go out there, you know, he should technically, you know, based on his potential and what everybody's been saying about him, he must be roughly in the top 10-ish if he had stayed, uh, you know, uh, active in the last two years or so. Uh, how do you think this uh, layoff affects him. How do you think he matches up against Canonas? Uh, and do you think he's worth the juice at minus three fifty as even a parlay piece? Um, yeah, you made a ton of really good points there, and I agree with almost everything you said. Um, with O'Malley, the he showed that one of his weaknesses was he was actually weak. You know, you can tell that looking at his body, he seems to have put a little bit of muscle on. My concern with the muscle is how many times does a guy put more muscle on, and then he also improves his cardio which in my opinion was something that is a little, something to be worried about with O'Malley. He showed to slow down a little bit against Ware and then also against uh, Sukumtov, although he did have the leg issue against Sukumtov. Um, the juice right now at minus 365, I'm looking at 5-9. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's, that's crazy wide. Um, even though O'Malley on the feet, I mean, the guy has, I love how... Oh, did I lose you there? very seamless on the feet and he's extremely dangerous especially round one but after that round one that's whenever things start getting a little dicey for him every fight and that's where i, I just want to know um about the question for o'malley a couple of the questions are have you worked on the grappling particularly the takedown defense have you worked on your get ups uh when i watch him on film his get ups he i have yet to see him use underhooks and climb up to be in his cage he always kind of got up after a submission attempt, he got his opponent's respect. He's able to create space. Um, the cardio was another big question that I want to see answered. And unfortunately, with some of the weaknesses that uh, Jose has, I don't know if we're going to get those questions answered. Um, a couple of the big glaring weaknesses I have for Jose is that the guy just leaves his chin in the air, and that's not a good thing to do. And secondly, uh, he keeps his head on the center line. And if you're fighting at a league, striker like Sean O'Malley, he's got great accuracy and also he throws in combinations. That's a good recipe to get your head bounced off the field. 
Considering that El Teco has jiu-jitsu tattooed across his chest, you'd expect him to have more than one submission victory on his record, eh? Yeah, and <laughs> I, I think that if, you know, he's lost a little bit of pain, um, he's going to attack the grappling immediately. A mm. couple things that I have written out here that could play in his favor is he has 18 UFC rounds to O'Malley 6. He has 7 UFC fights to O'Malley's 2. He's fought better guys, in my opinion. Um... And honestly, his takedowns aren't elite takedowns, but he's shown to hit body locks. He's shown to have re reactive takedowns off of guys' strikes. And whenever he gets his control, as you mentioned, he does have jiu-jitsu tattooed on his chest. He actually does a pretty good job at maintaining that top position. Um, the biggest thing here for Jose, if he can get through round one, which is easier said than done, the guy has a really good pace and he doesn't slow down win or lose, he is able to keep up that pace for the entire fight, and um, I think that this is the kind of guy that if he can survive through round one, we're going to get some questions answered on O'Malley. You got to think it's a little bit promising for O'Malley, though, considering how active he's been on the jiu-jitsu scene ever since he's been out of the octagon, right? Like, you got to think he's been working on it. Uh, I think he works down with uh, at Atos with uh, Augusto Mendes and those guys as well, so you got to think that's got to help him a bit, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I've been listening to O'Malley's interviews, and you have to take that with a grain of salt, but his coaches and him both, you know, they believe that they really worked hard to fill the holes that he had, and I mean, everybody knows what they were, they were the takedown defense and the get-ups, and if he's able to improve on that even, you know, half as much, you know, just to level up a little bit, I do think he can come out here and he can put on a show, and we can get the O'Malley train rolling, but for me, I have to go off of what I physically have seen on the tape. And to answer your question, I just don't think I could lay the juice on O'Malley at minus three, 350. I don't even think I'd really want to put him in a parlay here. Mm -hmm. um, if I were to put money down, I think that I would probably make a small bet on the underdog. Yeah, I think that plus 300 or so for Quinones is a little bit of value, just considering all the X factors that you laid out earlier. Like even, uh, I think a lot of people are overlooking the, the muscle that O'Malley has actually put on and, and the the negative consequences it could have for him going into this fight. Um, you know, plus 300 for Quinones is not too bad. Uh, I was actually a little bit impressed with him in the uh, the Hawachin fight. I think I believe I took Hawachin inside the distance in that just because I I think that I did not think that Quinones was going to be able to handle the power. But he he played that fight pretty well. What what did you take from that fight yourself? He really mixed it up against that guy, and as you said, he was really dangerous. I mean, he fought around. With... He'll be back. He's on the outside, it's not the best thing to watch all the time, but he's very active, always moving laterally. Um, he's got to make sure he's not doing the same thing over and over again because somebody like O'Malley's going to catch on to that and he's going to capitalize. But the fact that he sets such a high pace, he's always fighting, he's always active, he's always mixing in takedowns with his striking, I think that it makes him a live golf here at plus 300. I'd have to agree there too. I, I'm probably going to stay away from O'Malley in terms of. I, I might even stay away from this fight in general. Um, so pretty much for from your side, the values on Kinona's in your opinion. Uh, pass on the O'Malley train at least for this fight, so we can see what he's actually coming back with. Um, but before I do get you out of here, I do want to get your quick thoughts on the Coleman and Main. Uh, you can give me just a quick brief, you know, um, where the value is, um, who you think is going to win, and how. I think I lost you again. Just give me one sec. And there you go. Can you repeat that for me? I think I lost you for a sec. 
no problem. For the co-main, again, it's just all about what I've actually physically seen you do inside the cage. And what Whaley Zhang has done has been ultra impressive, but she hasn't fought a Rose on the units yet. She hasn't fought a Valentina Shevchenko, and she didn't clean out an entire division. And I think that Joanna is just, um, she's defensively really responsible. She's good at getting up after she's been taken down. And I just don't, I, I could not pass on Joanna at uh, plus 150, like her name. Um, and then the main event, plus 200 for Yola is really enticing. Um, but just personally for me, I think that Adesanya is going to be a little bit too smart. He's going to be a little bit too weighty. He's going to keep kicking. Keep dropping. <laughs> it's fine. Sorry, Josh. I need you to repeat what you said after you said that he keeps kicking. I, the, the Skype just dropped for a second. Where'd you lose me at? Uh, you said that uh, uh, Izzy's going to continuously keep kicking uh, to keep uh, Romero on the outside. Yeah, I think he's gonna just—he's gonna be really mindful of Romero because obviously the guy's got insane power with his overhand, uh, particularly the overhand left. I can remember he KO'd Rockhold dead. He's gonna have to stay away from that. He's gonna have to chop the legs, go to the body, keep it at a healthy distance. That's where he's best. And then whenever uh, the Olympian slows down a little bit, I think that's when he can get a little bit more aggressive and he can uh, look to get Romero out of there or at least uh, establish he's the he's the dominant. Beautiful. I'm going to be breaking those down a little bit more later in this show, but I did want to get your, your thoughts on it real quick. I appreciate you helping me break down O'Malley and uh, Quinones. Uh, make sure you guys check Josh out at Josh P underscore UFC picks. Is there anything else you want to plug yourself, man? Well, uh, no. I appreciate you plugging my Twitter and getting me out here. Uh, I hope that everyone has a profitable weekend and we see some great fights. Fuck yeah, dude. I appreciate you coming on. And this is going to be, uh, you're, you're a repeat guest, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'm going to beckon on you later this year to come back on and help me out. So, uh, once again, at Josh P underscore UFC picks, check his ass out. He's a sharp, sharp dude. Uh, and uh, a little bit feisty on Twitter every now and then, too. I, I really enjoy that. So, um, Josh, thanks again. Uh, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Later, buddy. All right. And if you guys didn't know, I'm actually going to be passing on this fight, too, uh, for O'Malley and Quinones. Uh, but my pick is going to be O'Malley. I think he actually puts out Quinones in the first round. Um, just just too much, uh, you know, even off of what Josh was saying, Quinones uh, uh, doesn't do the best in terms of moving his head. And I think with the diversity of strikes that we see from O'Malley, he should be able to connect with, with on Quinones and put him out. Uh, just not enough... Uh, confidence to be, you know, throwing somebody minus 365 into a parlay or anything like that. So, and especially considering the layoff and all the other X factors that are coming into this fight for O'Malley. But uh, Josh killed it with his breakdown, uh, and I definitely, uh, you know, echo a lot of what he's saying. So, uh, that brings us right into our main card. And we are back. All right, let's get into the main card Alex Oliveira versus Max Griffin. This fight should be fun, this fight should be bonkers, and this is a fight where I was actually considering a bet on the underdog, until I got through a couple fights of Mr. Max Griffin, because, you know, when you think something pre-tape, and then you watch tape, and they're like, oh shit, that's actually not what I expected or thought, based on the information that I had at the time before watching these uh, pieces of tape. And that's what happened here, so, <laughs> I was considering a one-unit play on Max Griffin, uh, didn't really like what I saw from him in, in the Alex Morono fight, uh, the amount that he tries to wrestle and, and make it difficult uh, for their, his opponents to, to get their striking off, 
you know, it's going to gas him out. And I think it might even, you know, attest Alex Oliveira to his gas tank too. You know, in the Morono fight, obviously Max Griffin was turning it on a little bit more. Uh, so his cardio wasn't completely shot even after he got rocked as many times as he did with Alex Morono. But I think that Oliveira is going to have a little bit more success on the feet and landing the bigger shots here. Um, I think he's going to be able to hurt Max early. I think he might be able to get him out of there too. Um, but if it also, you know, gets to the point where Alex Oliveira is throwing all this wacky shit and going out there trying to finish his opponent like he tried to finish Mike Perry and then completely blew his wad, it's going to be a long night for him because I think that Max Griffin also has the ability to, you know, keep Oliveira on the outside, on the on the outside, implement his wrestling. I think that's where the key is here too. You know, Alex Oliveira had trouble getting up off of the ground from Mike Perry. Um, you know, he kind of gave away those rounds just from like succumbing, uh, you know, Mino sweeps. Um, you know, again, even takedowns, conceding some of the takedowns that he did. I think that Griffin, you know, we've seen it in his last couple of fights. And I think that uh, after the six and a half-ish minute mark, it might be easier than it was to get down, you know, the Imadievs and the Moronos and the Alvises. You know, the, the Alves loss is a little bit stinging, obviously, since that was like in one of his last three fights. But I think this is a fight that he could win just based off of how Alex Oliveira comes out there and performs in the first round. I think that Oliveira is going to get that shot. I think that he's going to, you know, either submit or or knock out Max Griffin. Um, but if, you know, he goes balls to the wall and doesn't get that finish, it could be a long night for him, like I said. So uh, for prediction-wise, I'm going to go with Oliveira. Um, I was close to betting Griffin, but I just can't do it anymore. Uh, I think that Oliveira just can find the openings and, and hurt Griffin and then put him away. So I'll go with Oliveira. I'll say by second round, TKO. All right, Neil Magny versus Li Jing Liang. Um, this was another one that I was considering taking the dog. Uh, there's just too many X factors going into it for me, though. So, uh, Neil Magny hasn't fought since November of 2018, where he lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio. Absolutely getting his face ripped off uh, by Santiago down there in, uh, I think it was Argentina. Um, the, the difference here with Lee and Santiago, though, I believe that Santiago is a little bit more of an aggressive fighter. I think he's more of the guy that mixes it up, uh, you know, is a little bit more aggressive, stays in your face. I think Li Jingliang, you know, doesn't have that type of pressure. He has good, powerful striking. His combinations are pretty good too. Uh, but I think the the game plan here for Neil Magny just as it has it always has been is try to set the pace early, like start to get on Lee, you know, throw the pump the jab out there. He's going to have a little bit of a reach advantage here, uh, 80 inches compared to 72 inches. So a heavy, heavy range there, six three in terms of size as well compared to six foot. Um, stays on his bicycle. Pumps the jab out, throw, throws a kick every now and then, and then mixes it in a takedown here and there. I, I don't think he'll have the most success keeping Lee down, but I think keeping him on his feet is going to be a good game plan for Neil here. Uh, you got to think his cardio is always top notch. Uh, I don't think that Lee is going to eat up his leg as as badly as Santiago did. Plus, this is a three round fight. Uh, with it being a three round fight, we could see Lee come out kind of strong in the in the early early portions of the fight and actually get some success, you know, raining off some shots. Uh, but it's going to come down to rounds two and three for Neil Magny to, you know, try to outpoint Lee here, maybe even get a, uh, a takedown and maybe even get a submission. He's very well-rounded. Um, I, I like that he took a lot of time off since the Santiago fight, but again, I'm not the biggest fan of long layoffs. Um, but with a, with a vet like Neil Magny, you know, 29th fight that he's coming into here, you, you got to think that this is almost a, a stepping stone fight for Lee as well. Like a, like a, 
uh, a rite of passage fight. This is his first legit name that he's going to get under his belt. You know, no disrespect to Elizio Zaleski dos Santos, but Neil Magny is a little bit more of an established name too. So if he goes out there and gets a victory, it's going to be good for his career. Obviously, you know, bump him up at the bump him up in the rankings. But I think that we see a veteran type experience, uh, veteran type fight from Neil Magny here. So I'm going to go with the dog. And again, I did consider him uh, betting him. His odds are getting better now at plus 164. I want to see where that goes. You know, I might throw the 0.75 units on him there too. Uh, plus 175 is kind of a, a number that I'd like to see. Plus 180. Um, here I am saying, you know, my, my, my odds that I'd like to see rather than the percentages like fucking Z tried to teach me. Old habits die hard and hopefully uh, I can turn around and, 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 and say that proudly. But, uh, yeah, I like, uh, I like Neil here. Uh, and I might bet him at the plus 175 range, like I said. So, uh, Neil Magny by decision. Uh, definitely a live dog in my opinion, as long as he doesn't get knocked out of the first round. All right, next up we got Benil Darius versus Jakar Close. Uh, this is more than likely potentially going to be my lock of the night play. I'm very, very uh, confident in Benil here. So let's, let me throw out a quick fact for you guys. Outside of Jakar Close's first fight um, in the UFC, which was against Devin Powell, every opponent has taken him down. So look into that however much you want, but every opponent since Devin Powell has taken him down at least once. I'm talking about Mark D. Casey. I'm talking about David Tamer. I'm talking about Lando Venata, who has a decent wrestling background. We don't see it often, but it's definitely an advantage that he has in some fights. Bobby Green got taken him down. Christos Yagos took him down. And you guys can read into the, you know, whatever you want in terms of, uh, you know, Jagos mainly being a striker and Drakkar probably overlooking the fact that he would get wrestled here by Jagos. Um, this is Benio motherfucking Darius that we're talking about. We've seen in his last couple of fights the Tiago Moises fight is definitely one that comes to mind where he goes back to his roots, he goes back to his bread and butter and grinds out a fight. You know, he came off that 42-second loss to Alexander Hernandez before that, but here he is stepping back in and, and, and you know, grinding out a decision over Tiago Moises and just completely getting him down at will. Um, Drew Dober, a little sketchy in that first round, uh, but I believe that Drew Dober is a much better striker than Drakkar Close, as we've seen of late, too. Um... But then he was still able to go in there and and pull off his own game. Say what you want about Drew Dover's fight IQ in terms of you know continuing the grappling, even though he got out of a bad position. We still saw a submission for uh, Benil Dariush, and that we saw that he still has it. The two minutes and two seconds that we saw of the Frank Camacho fight, we saw massive improvements in his striking, and that's something that those improvements we've been seeing since the Edson Barboza fight. So we know that he's definitely crafting his his game around that, and. I know a lot of people are thinking, uh, you know, negatively about him since that Edson Barboza and Alexander Hernandez fights in terms of saying that he's shot and his chin is gone. You know, we saw him kind of rattled in the Drew Dober fight. For some reason, I thought he got much more hurt than he did. But upon rewatching the tape, you know, we see that Drew Dober actually, yeah, he hits him, but it's not like Benio was on the cusp of getting finished or anything like that. Like, he, he's fine there, I think. And I don't think anything on the feet Drakkar Close brings to uh, Benil Darius he needs to worry about in terms of getting knocked out or getting outpointed. I think that Benil will be able to, you know, stick to his striking, uh, land some good knees as he always does as well too. Um, 
you know, does what he have to do, do to close the distance, get his hands on uh, Jakar Close, so probably be up against the cage since that's pretty much where he drags down the majority of his opponents. Uh, but I, I think we see him successful on getting Jakar Close down, uh, you know, being the better fighter in the clinch positions as well. Uh, and I think that people underrate how strong Benil actually is too. So well, I think we'll see some advantages to him here or for him here. Um, you know, there's been pictures out there of Jakar Close out there, um, uh, training at the Atos gym, uh, you know, with uh, Augusto Mendez in them, but Benio, next level jiu-jitsu. Uh, and another thing about Jakar Close is we do see him give up his back a lot too. And that's not something you want to do against Benio. So if Benio ever gets that position, it's probably going night-night. I think that there is some value, obviously, on him to win by uh, um, by submission as well, plus 295-ish. I don't mind that, but I think my, my play is going to be either four to five units on Benio Darius straight. I don't know which one it's going to be yet. He's currently at minus 167 on my site. I'm going to see if he gets back down to like the minus 160-ish range. I'm just being a little bit greedy, but we'll see. Maybe maybe the, the line movement actually plays my factor, and we see Benio get to, to, to better odds. So I'm going with Benio Darius. So I'm going to say second-round submission. Um, and, uh, yeah, people can stop doubting my man Benio Darius again. All right, next up we got Wiley Zhang versus Yuani and Jacek. This is the Coleman event, and this should be a very fun fight. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, two of the top three or four uh, straw weights, I should say. Ioanni and Jacek, obviously the GOAT of that division due to uh, her you know, long-reigning supremacy of that division until she got knocked out by Rose Nami Yunus and then got turned back again in the, in the, in the, in the rematch between them. Uh, but, you know... As sold as people are on Wiley Zhang, I think she's getting uh, a lot of rub and a lot of like, like, bet friendly people in terms of uh, just keeping the Jessica Andrade fight in their mind. Uh, you know that was only 42 seconds, but it was a ridiculous destruction. But we're talking about going five rounds against Yoni and JJ, who does defensively not the worst. You know she gets in and out pretty well. Uh, how she's going to handle Wally Zhang's power is going to be uh, interesting. You know, Wally, I think she packs one of the heavier punches in the division. Uh, we've only seen her actually put out Jessica Andrade, um, but her ground game is pretty good too. We saw her go out there and, and Smith Jessica Aguilar. Um, she's going to be the stronger fighter here too, which is, I think is going to be key because that's, I think, where we saw the downfall of Ioana Janjicic when she fought uh, Valentina Shevchenko. And yeah, that was a division higher, and obviously we saw that in terms of the strength. But I think that Wiley might be one of the stronger fighters in this division. Uh, Tisha Torres is quite strong fighter herself too, uh, and Wiley Zhang was having a little bit of fun in terms of grappling with her with with her as well. I'm not saying she's blowing her out of the water, but she was, uh, you know, overpowering her in some of these situations rather than using technique. And I think that if she's able to mix it up here against Joanna, she can make things interesting. You know, mix up her, you know, her her massive encounters uh wait till Joanna closes the distance and just you know kind of be a little bit disrespectful to Joanna's power and just land the better shots whenever Joanna comes into the pocket uh so if she has that in her back pocket as well as uh you know the potential of the takedown I think it might make Joanna a little bit hesitant the one thing that you got to be worrisome here for if you are a Wiley Zhang better is if this goes 25 minutes there's a probably always going to be a good case for Ioana and Jacek in terms of her activity and her output. So unless Wally can hurt her early and hurt her often, Ioana is probably going to have the more, you know, the more volume. She's probably going to have the higher amount of strikes uh, if this goes to 25 minutes. So Wiley's definitely got to hurt her. And when she does hit her, she's going to have to, you know, 
maybe open up a cut or something she's gonna have to make yuana look like she got hurt way more kind of like a little bit from the the felder and hooker fight you know aesthetically it looked like felder was taking way more of the damage just due to the fact that he just didn't look as good as hooker i think that had a little bit to play uh into it so if 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 wiley hits early and often enough uh, you know, Roxer visibly continuously f uh, goes for it. I, I do think that we do see a Wiley finish, maybe fourth round, maybe even third round. Uh, I think it's just going to continue to catch up to Ioana. Anytime she tries to close the distance, Wiley's going to be there to hit her. Um, she She's going to have to download her information quick, you know, Within 10 minutes, 12 and a half minutes, 12 and a half ish minutes, you could be losing all three rounds and possibly get finished later. So uh, I like Wiley. She, she's just so good everywhere, too. I think we'll, we will definitely see a grappling aspect to this fight and we'll see her get Ioana down. Um, Ioana's really good at getting back to the feet. She's never really given up that submission position. Uh, but Wiley is a different beast, too. So I, I'm very, very excited for this fight. I think these are the top two straw weights, uh, you know. Tatiana Suarez has has something to say about that too, but she's just on the sideline for so long. So hopefully she's able to get her shit together and you know really challenge for the belt here. But I'm going with Wiley Zhang by fourth round TKO. I think she drops her and then follows up with a, a little bit of ground and pound. But I think we see Zhang uh, retain her belt uh, and, and continue her destruction of the strawweight division. All right, next up. Main event time, we got Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. Odds currently minus 280 for Israel Adesanya, plus 240 for Yoel Romero. I love Izzy in the spot. <laughs> you know, it's it's so hard to go out there and try to back Yoel Romero after watching his tape and, like, his just complete disregard of wanting to do anything in round one, round one just to conserve his energy and get into round two and round three and have those bursts because he has a ridiculous amount of third round finishes for some goddamn reason but he is just so powerful and so quick and he's so good at just stopping and starting and changing the paces in which he throws the strikes that really throws off his opponents however i think he's going to have a lot of trouble here with adesanya adesanya is going to have that scouted you know he is obviously going to have to stay on the tip of his toes in terms of, you know, Yoel could absolutely explode at any time. But I think that Adesanya holds uh, distance well. I think he kicks well enough to keep Yoel on the outside. One thing that I don't kind of like that Israel does is sometimes when he throws a combination, he goes fully through the combination where his back is slightly turned towards his opponent and he has to look back and he kind of skirts away like that. You got to be careful in those situations because that's where Yoel Romero can follow up kind of surprise you get the head start on you in terms of being in a better position in terms of propelling you forward quicker than you're able to propel yourself away from UL. that's something to keep in mind um but outside of that outside of uh, any slip up this is Adesanya's fight like he he is so he's so good at reading his opponents and you know the the one thing that we saw Gaslam have success with in terms of hurting Adesanya was when he you know, for pretty much three-ish rounds, he was lulling Adesanya into thinking that he was just going to be throwing a straight right and like a hook left or hook left and a straight right. And then he surprises him. I think it was in the third or fourth round where he throws that combination, but then he throws a head kick on the side in which Israel Adesanya was always exiting out on. And that's where he hurt Izzy. And then he went for the takedown, and then we know the history in terms of that. But with UL, you know, I think that Adesanya is going to be aware of what this guy's going to be throwing at all times. Uh... You know, it's always the blitzing right, uh, sometimes a flying knee every now and then. But I don't see uh, a situation 
where we see Adesanya actually get clipped by any of these things by Romero. So, uh, and it's hard for me to see how Adesanya doesn't finish him in the fourth or fifth round. I think that's a possibility as well, too. I think he's just so good at, at reading his opponents and capitalizing on those situations. Like, Paulo Costa had a lot of success in terms of a lot of, a lot of body shots on Yoel Romero, and I think that Israel Adesanya is going to be, you know, probably targeting that. You want to suck the cardio dry of Yoel Romero as early and as often as possible. So, you know, teeps to the, to the belly, the sidekicks, whatever the fuck it is, you want to hurt Romero to the body and start to drain him that way um, and then I think eventually he'll start to mix in the you know the 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 head strikes and the head kicks and and it's all going to open up for him so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Romero obviously try to go out there and try to get a takedown but I everything that I've seen in terms of Adesanya getting taken down he does everything right like he digs for the underhooks right away and he starts to scoot his butt back to the cage and get right back to his feet it's pretty good technique for somebody who's you know he's 18 and 0 or whatever now in in MMA but like just came in straight from kickboxing and just started to learn everything else on the way. He does not give up position or concede position on the ground. He's always moving. He's always trying to get up. And I think that's going to be very uh, important here against Yuval, who himself is able to get guys down, but he's not the best at keeping them down and riding them or doing anything like that. So I think Adesani, he will get taken down, but I think it's going to come down to all the damage that's done on the feet, which was what should either get him a decision victory or I think he gets a decision or gets a uh, a knockout late, probably round four. So I'm going to go with Adesanya here. I'm co- I was considering playing him straight minus 250 as my lock of the night play. Uh, the line doesn't seem like it's getting there, so I might actually remember that parlay piece I was think- talking about earlier in the episode. I was thinking of possibly parlaying him with uh, Jamal Emers. You could possibly get around plus 115, plus 116 if you do that. Um, and I wouldn't mind at least like a two or two and a half unit shot on that parlay alone. I think there's a lot of value there. Um, you know, say what you want about the fucking mathematics and shit behind it too, but I just mean in terms of two guys that have all the tools to take out their opponents, uh, but their lines are a little bit too much straight. But if you put them together, um, I wouldn't mind the 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 payout on that. Um, and if it crashes and burns, it fucking crashes and burns. It's all good, baby. All right, so I got Adesanya fourth round TKO and a possible parlay piece with Jamal Emmers uh, earlier on the card. I think that's it. I think that's the episode. Yeah, that's the episode. I, I apologize that this was released on a Wednesday, uh, but I had to get uh, shit done. Let's just put it that way. But this episode is out. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, check out the website, MMALTN.ca. Uh, picks will be up hopefully in the next couple of days. I'm just waiting for these lines to play out, as I was saying. Check the Twitter at MMALOTN to see when I do post my plays. Uh, they are free as of right now, so check those out as you guys can. And I think that's it. Shout out to Big Rob for holding down the studio once again. uh, And I'll be back here uh, for the next pay-per-view event. But uh, next week, I believe we're going to be breaking down what's next weekend. UFC Brasilia, Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira, which should be a very fun card to break down. And I believe from skimming the odds, there are some very intriguing odds. There's a Bellator card next weekend as well, too. I might break that or at least a fight or two of that down if I see anything that I like but not anything that I'm currently looking at. Maybe Emmanuel Sanchez, we'll see. Minus 135-ish, not a bad range against Daniel Weichel. But that's it for Logcast episode 73. Thank you guys for tuning in. Subscribe. If you guys haven't subscribed yet, fucking subscribe. I'm trying to get to 1K soon. You know what I mean? I'm getting married in June. Let me try to get that 1K before June. Uh, shout out to Predictors, Mr. Arkansas. You're killing it over there. Appreciate you. Uh, and that's it. Like, subscribe, comment, say whatever the fuck you guys want. And good luck this weekend. Let's get some fucking money. Yeah.